You are listening to sound. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, their utterance to the ends of the world. In conjunction with AxeChristianity.com. And yes, indeed, it is Timothy Moore, a.k.a. Timo, here on the Rose City Forum on KKPZ 1330 The Truth. And it is so good to be with you today on our Wednesday edition of the program. And with me in studio is none other than David O'Brien, the author of Return to Acts Christianity, the Reformation God and His People are Yearning for Beyond the Walls of Traditional Church Structure. And we promised that we would be bringing David back into the studio. And finally, we are able to do that after this man's forays all over the world and that with his wife in India and China and serving the Lord. And wow, David, it is great to have you back in studio with us, my brother. Good to be here with you. Absolutely great to be back here with you as well, Timo. Awesome. All right. Well, you know what? Let's not uh, waste any time here, my brother. Um, I got to tell you something. First of all, this book, Return to Acts Christianity, is a work of scholarship, my brother. You really did a great job on this book. And I want to start Thank out you. first by uh, letting our listeners know that through the course of this interview, you can at any point, folks, if you want to go out to Amazon.com and actually take a look at the book, you can read uh, some excerpts there from it. And also, I think you said you've got a little promo going today, right? That's right. Today, uh, if you want to purchase the Kindle ebook. It's free, so you won't need to purchase free. it. It's just given free. Yes. Free is a good price, my that's brother. Right. Thank you for doing that. All right, so that's awesome. So they just go to Amazon.com. You guys just search for Return to Acts Christianity, and the author is David O'Brien. O'Brien is O and then B-R-I-E-N, okay? So it's O'Brien. I'm assuming that's Irish. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason I said it is because you don't actually look Irish, my brother, <laughs> whereas I do. You know, I got the yeah. freckles and the really white skin and everything. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah, hey, great book, again. Um, really challenged me, and 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 some parts I really have to say, you know, it kind of stretched my thinking because... Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I noticed is that you really do go beyond the walls of traditional church mm-hmm. structure and thinking here in how you've written the book. And so I want to ask you first, really, what prompted you to write this book? Why did you feel that now was the time for a message such as this? Well, I uh, actually, over the years, I think what really prompted me was personal pain and love that God put in my heart for the lost mm. and seeing a difference between the, the Christianity that I saw in the scripture when I read it, which was so I yearned for in my heart and what I experienced in my life around me, you know, and some of the traditions that we have and that we live under and live with. So this I always had, I mean, I would say I'd have to say it's from God um, for me that he put in me a hunger like he does for all of us in our, our journey and our path. He put in me a hunger to find answers and how can we become more like what Jesus originally wanted? How can we reach more lost people? That's one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's one of the big ones. And then eventually, how can we have less of an attrition rate? Because so many of us start out on fire and fall away. And I, and I, I learned over the years that it wasn't always their fault. I mean, they need to stay on with God, no question. But there are there support, is there support that, existed for the early Christians that 
currently we're not giving or receiving. And so mm. that was one of my deep heart desires to fight, figure out. And the more I read in Scripture, the more I felt that God was giving me answers. And in 2009, the Lord actually, I would say personally, it's very personal, but he revealed to me it's time to birth this thing. And that's when I began writing. Wow. So it was wow. a, a you know, messy process, but we've got the book now. And yeah, it's ready sure. in a packaged, finalized form. And no, like I said, it's really great. And this is a, this is a second edition, is that right? Or uh, third, a yeah. third? Oh, yeah. third. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've done a little refining over the the few years here, um, yes. but once again, it's a tremendous book. I, I do applaud you for the scholarship of it mm-hmm. and the content and the way that you're framing out your questions. You really are not coming from an accusatory perspective about the church and the church traditions and and all of these things but you really are asking a lot of really good questions and you are trying to help the reader to understand hey this is what I think scripture is really revealing and I want to challenge you to think about this in a mm-hmm. deeper way so let me let Thank me start you. first where in chapter 2 you, you mentioned about titles and position. Now, the, mm-hmm. uh, right away, David, I, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm going, um, you know, there's a lot of people where they really hold on to the pride of their title and their mm-hmm. position. You know, I'm yes. Pastor Timo, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask you about what you believe Jesus taught about those positions and titles and, and that idea. And then, and then, more specifically, how do you match that against, for example, Paul saying in Ephesians 4.11, he gave some to be apostles, prophet, pastor, yes. teacher, and evangelist. So anyway, right. what say you, my friend? Well, you know, the scripture where Jesus said, uh, call no man teacher, call no man Lord, call no man father, um, is an interesting one because, you know, like you say, in Ephesians 4, he did say, it does clearly say that he gave teachers. We read about teachers in the book of Acts. But so then the question, why can't we call these people by these titles? He's according to Jesus. And, uh, you know, first of all, I don't think that this is the big abominable sin, you know, the unforgivable sin. So it's praise Jesus for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's almost and it's so widespread, for example, among Catholics, priests are called father. Yes, exactly. You know, Hmm. and, and so you have millions of people doing this. Um, I'm not here to accuse anybody. My point is to find out why Jesus said don't do it. And he also said don't call people leader and don't call people teacher. Even though he gave leaders, he gave teachers. And the reason is in the text. Um, He said, for you are all brothers. And he said, one is your teacher, one is your master, one is your Lord, etc. And the reason I believe that he said that, this whole thing about don't use titles such as that, is because... He wants the focus to be on him, hmm. and oftentimes among his body and his people around the world where I've traveled, everywhere that I've traveled almost, he has, is not in the forefront of focus. Often his servants are, and that was never his goal. His servants, yes, you know, his servants were to, to serve the word and ultimately to bring him more into focus. And when we keep the position that we're all brothers, it actually exalts everyone to do their ministry rather than creating or uh, facilitating a clergy mm-hmm. laity distinction, which ultimately stops the work of God through God's people. Okay, now that that's a great point because what you're saying, you just talked about the distinction between clergy and the laity. Yes. So from what I infer from your book, you're kind of really seeing they're, they're not supposed to be that distinction. Correct. So, In my opinion. 
What do you think is the reason that it developed that way, however? I believe that it was a demonic counterattack. Wow. Okay. That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> to the work of God. Yes. Okay. So you, you actually would say then it's even more than flesh. It's that there's some nefarious sort of thing where the enemy is trying to divide and conquer. Is that? I believe of, that it's both. It's both. I believe that okay. on the one hand, it's just thinking like the world. You know, the world always has this kind of distinction. And on the other hand, I believe that the enemy likes it. He set it up. He's mm. working with it. He created it. When you look at where the term clergy, when it first came into Christianity, when the term laity first came into Christianity, they actually were setting a, up a structure that was not set up by the Lord. It was mm. an intrusion into Christianity. And what it ultimately did was confined Christianity into pretty much four walls, and then eventually the gospel was almost lost entirely. They changed it so that you couldn't even read the Bible unless you knew Latin, and only the clergy could know Latin. So Mm -hmm. this became a horrendous abuse to the people of God and to those who, you know, have the right to hear the gospel. That is the world, everybody in the world. Jesus died for them. They have the right to hear. So... um, if I may add one point, though, to this whole issue of why Jesus said, call no man this, call no man that, it's because, in actual fact, our positions are much higher than we have called ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. I believe that, in actual wow. fact, brother is far higher than the term apostle or what some people now are even calling themselves chief apostle. I, well, I was in India, and I heard somebody call themselves even like the hot chief of chief apostles, you know, these titles have no end, you know. That's very interesting, uh, (laughs) and I definitely have some thoughts in mind about that to ask you later. Um, Well, all right, so the the thing is, like like you said, you you don't think it's an unforgivable sin per se or something, you know, it's not like that, but (laughs) I, and I agree with that, but I, but I think for me, it really was a bit revelatory to kind Mm. of recognize, okay, so then how do we get past the fact that that's so steeped in our way of doing things right. in the traditions, in the way we understand hierarchy, and and the fact that, uh, you know, titles really, you know, they're like, man, I went to Bible college, I got my master's of divinity, and all, you know, yeah. I'm just like, I earned this right, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be right. called pastor or something. Right. And you're, you know, you're implying really that there is something even much pure, more pure, rather, and that's that, that idea of the brethren and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, dig a little deeper for us in that then. Yes, sir. I, I, I truly believe that our position in Christ is the highest in the universe, higher mm. than angels, higher than any being on earth or heaven. I mean, amazingly, and it was given to the lowest of creatures, mm-hmm. you know, the sinners, wow. those locked in prison under Satan himself. I mean, stuck in the world, totally helpless, blind. This Honor was given to us by God's great grace and love mm. to be part of Jesus's body. Mm-hmm. And we're exalted, we're seated with him there in the heavenly places, the scripture says, and we are his God's own children. Now, that's above any kind of CEO or president of a, a country or, you know, prime minister or the uh, gifts that are in the body, which are functions. They are, you could say, job titles, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes, and this is not to fault anyone, but sometimes I believe that we can try to cling to something that makes us, gives us a sense of worth or purpose or glory and some, in, as far as ministry, or it distinguishes us from our brothers, and, and maybe we feel we're higher 
that can be a trick because mm-hmm. the truth is you're already higher than anything else, anyone else. You're under the head, Jesus. And all of us are under the head directly. So all of us have such a high place if we can rest in that, recognize that by revelation through the scripture, by through the Holy Spirit, understand who we are in Christ, the status that we've been given by grace, then the titles really don't matter. You know, we just need to stay united. And that's what I have a problem with the titles. You know, the interesting thing about your book, David, is how one thing just unpacks another, unpacks another, unpacks another to the point where we could pretty much stay on that subject for the next (laughs) hour. We really could. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting, the statements that you've made there, because while I was in Tanzania, Africa, one of the things that we felt was important was to teach the pastors about spiritual authority. Mm. And what we really talked about in great detail was your position in Christ Mm. and that it is from your position in Christ that the Mm. authority to do everything from signs and wonders, casting out demons, you know, healing the sick, all of those things comes from. But in fact, it is Jesus who's doing the work. Mm -hmm. We're just the vessels by which he's working. Is that a statement you would agree with? Oh, absolutely. Yes. All right. That's terrific. Because when we come back from the break, I'd like to explore that idea as well, um, where you begin to move into that thinking in chapter three about the uh, signs and wonders and the authority and so on. And um, I want to really kind of explore with you how you answer the, the, the idea that there are many people in the church who think we don't even have that authority mm-hmm. or that we don't mm-hmm. even work in that realm anymore because we have the canon of Scripture and the apostles aren't there today and this and that. But, folks, we got to take a break. When we come back, we will continue our discussion with David O'Brien, the author of Return to Acts Christianity. The byline of the book is the Reformation God and His people are yearning for beyond the walls of traditional church structures. So we'll be back in a few minutes here on the Rose City Forum. Become a sponsor of the Rose City Forum. Call KKPZ right now at 503-242-1950. The Rose City Forum with Timothy Moore on KKPZ 1330, The Truth. Welcome back to the Rose City Forum, everybody, where we are discussing with author David O'Brien his book, Return to Acts Christianity, the Reformation God and His People are Yearning for Beyond the Walls of Traditional Church Structure and David, once again, welcome to the program. And I've got to tell you, man, I really love this book. You have really challenged me with this book. So and much. honestly, you know what? I'm not sure whether I love it or hate it <laughs> from that point of view, because yeah. it's like, wait a minute, man, you're rocking my boat. Right. So that's a good yeah. thing, right? Yeah, usually, um, right? <laughs> hey, before we get into the the uh, question that I was going to ask you about the signs and wonders and spiritual yes. authority and all that, I did want to ask you about one thing, uh, which is essentially how you start out with with understanding what is the church. And yes. so how, how do you define that as you launch out with that in your first chapter and then everything kind of goes from there? But mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you define the church? Well, I believe the church is simply you. If you're a okay. believer in Jesus, you are the church of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I believe that the church, his church, from what I, I see these from the scriptures, such as Matthew 16, where Jesus described his, what he called would be his church. Now, I looked up the, uh, not only just looking up the Greek word, which is a compound word, which means a called out group or an assembly, but looking into the Greek and the uh, uh, Roman cultures. Yes. And that they had an ecclesias in the big cities, and there actually were governmental assemblies or legislatures is what they actually were. Um, so it's a governmental term that, that Jesus chose to use, and later Paul and these others used, the Holy Spirit used through them. 
to describe us. It's one of the ways that we are to see ourselves, that we are God's reigning people on earth, ruling people. And so, but it's us. And so there's a couple places in the scripture, several places where it says that the church is the body of the Christ. And so I see it as his body. It's located all over in heaven and earth. And uh, that's where we get into, you know, some, some other aspects of what is a church. Yes, yes. yes. And, uh, you know, and I thought that was interesting because, of course, when you go to Bible college, you learn about it. And I may be pronouncing the, the Greek wrong or the transliteration mm. of ecclesia mm. or ec- some people say ecclesia or right. whatever, you know, whatever. I, <laughs> I know well, I'm I not going to so. split hairs <laughs> over the pronunciation because I'm terrible with pronouncing Greek transliteration mm. or Greek. But I will just say this, that... It is interesting that the idea of called out ones really referred more to the civil government of the Mm -hmm. time. And that was really interesting to me Mm -hmm. because I hadn't really heard that before. I mean, Mm -hmm. I came out of the Bible college experience just knowing that it applied to what was the idea where we get the word church Mm -hmm. and the idea that we were the called out ones and so on from called out from the culture of the society. But you're actually, you know, really, I think, for for me, touching on the idea that the application does then get into the realm of our authority mm-hmm. and our position yeah. in Christ, as we just mm-hmm. talked about. So let me let me go ahead and segue then into that issue of the authority of the church, our position in Christ, and so on, as it relates to signs and wonders, as are yes. so prevalent throughout the book of Acts. Yes. And my question to you mm. is, in the present state of the church, you kind of have two divisions. You have more of the charismatic Pentecostals who would say, we believe in signs and wonders and we mm. practice it. And then you will have, on the more mainline evangelical side, well, with the advent of the apostles and then their death, and with the full canon of Scripture, we no longer need signs and wonders. What say you, Mr. David O'Brien? Yes, well, what I, you know, I think the main focus that we've always got to maintain in all of these subjects is the Lord Jesus, and He being the head of the church, and He being our Lord and our Savior and our Master. And He sent the Spirit. He said He would send His Spirit to guide us into all truth. So we've got to approach these issues as a child, you know, with the heart of a child, willing to learn and to really learn from him, from the Lord, through the Holy Spirit. And so um, signs, miracles, and wonders are in the Scripture from Genesis to the end of Revelation, and including Revelation covers the future, even future. Not It goes even past the time we are now. Mm-hmm. And um, there was no place anywhere in the Scripture in any of those books or chapters or pages that says they have stopped or they're going to stop. Um, there are times when the people of God cried out for signs and wonders because they weren't happening. <laughs> yes, But they exactly. were always apparently God's will that they do happen because God has always wanted to inhabit and dwell with his people. And when God dwells with people, there are miracles. You know, it's every time we pray for something and it happens, it's a miracle. So God wants to be involved in this world. He wants to be working on earth through us. In fact, it's part of the Lord's Prayer that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as in heaven. That requires God's intervention, that's miracles. Mm, and so mm. when we look in the Scripture and see topics such as physical healing and all these, the Scripture is full of those. From, again, Genesis to Revelation, we can find so much information about it. And it takes hours to dig into. But I encourage anybody out there who may be on the fence about, is it God's will still to heal through us? Well, my answer is yes, first of all. And I, I've seen it, lived it, and I um, am living it and looking forward to living to it more. Uh, yesterday, Amen. I, was, I saw a woman healed uh, uh, physically doing evangelism, you know, and wow. uh, 
these things, but they, they, well, I think one thing we need to guard ourselves from is pride and also from taking this, the state that we're in now and making it the standard. Okay, that's a great point because mm-hmm. I think therein lies where we have gone askew. I think mm-hmm. not only are we askew in the denial of the reality that mm-hmm. signs and wonders are for today, which I hold that view as you do. Yes. I do not see that demarcation anywhere in the Bible where it says they ceased or they ended. Yeah. I think the idea that when the perfect comes is misinterpreted. Absolutely. I think the perfect is when we stand before Christ in eternity mm-hmm. and we have perfected bodies and we have yeah. all knowledge, you know, blah, blah, blah. But all that said, um, I, I do agree with you that then on the flip side of that are are the people out there that make it about themselves in almost very narcissistic mm-hmm. way of like, look at me, I'm the healer, instead of look at Jesus, mm-hmm. he's the healer, and I'm the servant. So, yeah. I mean... I think it's a delicate balance. It is a delicate balance. And so then it begs the question, what's the purpose then of signs and wonders? Yes, well, you know, that's a wonderful question. I love answering a question like this, brother. Um, I really believe that there are many purposes. Um, when Jesus healed... And he's our pattern. You know, he's the pattern of the church. This is, we got to remember this, too, that he's the cornerstone, the Bible says, which that's the, the stone by which all the other parts of the building are to be measured by. Yes, amen. So his work on the earth is greater than anybody who's followed him, obviously, greater than Paul's work or Peter's or whoever's. However, he's our goal. So he Wait, did signs Before you go on, let's repeat that, because this yes. is very important. And it's ironic that you mention it about Jesus is the cornerstone because I felt from the Spirit of the Lord so strongly mm-hmm. that I had to share that with the pastors mm-hmm. in Tanzania. And wow. it was a groundbreaking concept for mm-hmm. them that they did not understand the idea that everything aligns to Jesus, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, and and let's really repeat that because it's so important for people out here to understand, folks, it is not about us. It is about Jesus, Absolutely. and we have made it about us, and there needs to be some repentance, I believe, about that. Anyway, that's my opinion, the host, but we're more interested in what you have to say, David, so please continue. Absolutely. I think, you know, if any of us think we don't need to repent, we've, we've kind of got our heads a little too big for our shoulders. Yeah, you know? there you go. <laughs> we need to be looking <laughs> well, at Well, thank Jesus you for again. agreeing. <laughs> yeah. And when we look at Jesus, there's always further to go. There's always higher to go. He's our, our goal, our standard, our teacher, our leader, our master. In the scripture, even he said to his disciples, he said, no disciple is above his teacher, but when fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. So, And he's the one who promised signs, miracles, and wonders following uh, those who believe. And he promised many promises such as like that. For example, in the book of John, uh, he talks about doing the same works that he did. Um, these are things that are ours to learn to walk in, mm-hmm. but it takes training. It takes growing, it takes learning, and it takes uh, some, sometimes failing and getting back up, you know. But my point is this, none of us have arrived. Once we figure that out, and then also we, we do get past some of the, the doctrines that say things that the Bible doesn't say, you know. For example, that Jesus' words about these signs will follow them that believe, or uh, those who believe will do the same things I did as far as miracles. To, to, to discount those, but the Bible doesn't do it, is dangerous ground. Yes, know? great point. Yeah. yeah, but he's our example. He's the one we're looking up to. He's the one we need to keep our focus on, and he's the cornerstone of the church. He's the foundation of the church, and he's what we're built on. So he really is who should be occupying our mind, and his work in Israel was a model for his church. So we need to look at it more so than the traditions that have built up over the centuries. 
Amen, brother. And you know, I want to see what you think of this thought. Uh, our listeners know that I feel very strongly about this idea that every church should be known in its community for the great things God is doing in that church, you know, in that mm-hmm. community, in that body. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason that I put it that way is because it does take the focus off of us, but it, it puts the focus on Jesus, but, but it does put the focus also on the idea that a thriving, healthy community of believers that is the church can have tremendous effect, and in that community, bringing a positive change. But what should be then common is all of that kind of work, whether it's the signs and wonders or the mm-hmm. fact that we're living moral lives and and uh, we're ethical people and we're honest and you know all the things yeah. that the Holy Spirit helps do. And this was yes. something that I was teaching the pastors in Africa as well. They, they tend to, to think of the Holy Spirit as, well, he's going to empower me to go do all these signs and wonders. But I have to point out to them that Jesus sent the disciples mm-hmm. out before he had given them the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, and they did miracles. Mm-hmm. That's number one. But number two, the greater work, I think, of the Holy Spirit is not mm-hmm. the signs and wonders. It's the, the fact that he helps us to live and become more transformed into the image of Christ. Yes. What do you think of that idea? Oh, absolutely. Love the truth <laughs> of the gospel you're speaking. It's, I mean, that's what we... The Spirit, I believe, also, I mean, I see the same thing in Scripture is what I'm getting at. The signs, miracles, and wonders are part of Christianity, and we should never divorce them from part of the, it's part of what the Holy Spirit is to, to give us in the Scripture, it says clearly. And yet, the, and also, in addition, is the fruit of the Spirit, and I believe one of his great works, you could say, in preparation Excuse me. In summary, is that he's preparing us to meet Jesus when he returns. That's to me, as far as what I'm personally right now most thankful about the Holy Spirit's work in my life is he's preparing me so that when the Lord returns, I can stand and be received and welcomed. And you know, I love that, David. You know, it is interesting how you can only get off about you know zero zero point one degree and be really close to the way things mm. should be and actually be really far off the further out you get from it. And and in the yeah. church, we've gotten many, you know, a couple thousand years away from the time of Jesus, and it shouldn't surprise us that we have in that degree just a little bit gotten way, way off from what Jesus intended for us. And back again to this idea that signs and wonders, all these things. By the way, what I really believe, David, is that they should be commonplace, and when they don't happen, that's what's unusual. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting that we in the church have really divided up over these issues to the point where it's harmed the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm concerned about that. So... Uh, Well, once again, folks, the book is called Return to Acts Christianity, The Reformation God and His People Are Yearning For Beyond the Walls of Traditional Structure by author David O'Brien, and it's a tremendous book, and we're going to continue our discussion here after the break, but uh, once again, David, this is a tremendous book. Now, how can people get a copy of this? I know you've got a promotion for a Kindle version. How can they do that? Well, the Kindle version is available on Amazon, and today... Uh, which is September 8th. Uh, he's looking at me, September and I'm going, I think that's right. September anyway, 7th. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's all a blur. We're gonna run but the... I have allergy medication <laughs> right. coursing through my body, so that's my excuse. <laughs> uh, I've got my excuse as well. But September 7th uh, is the free book promo as far as the Kindle ebook. If you want to buy right. the hardcover, it's also there. Today only, Amazon.com. Yeah. All right. Yes, and then what's your website again? axchristianity.com 
All right, actschristianity.com. Yeah. Folks, you can go there, and we're going to continue our discussion right here on the Rose City Forum in a moment. The Rose City Forum with Timothy Moore on KKPZ, 1330 The Truth. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rose City Forum, where we are talking to author David O'Brien, who has written a tremendous book, Return to Acts Christianity, The Reformation God and His People Are Yearning For Beyond the Walls of Traditional Church Structure. And I love that, by the way. I wanted to ask you, now, mm -hmm. that statement um, is, is really pregnant with meaning, as we pastors like mm -hmm. to say, beyond the walls of traditional church structure. Do you, do you think traditional structure has harmed us overall or has been beneficial, or is it a little of both? What do you think there? I'd say definitely both. I'd say okay. definitely both. Be, ever since, you know, I mean, even before the Reformation, there was good within the uh, structure of traditional church mm -hmm. because Martin Luther, for example, had access to the Scripture. You know, somebody could, the Scripture still existed. It could be found. He found it. He read it in Latin. The common people couldn't read it. And it changed his life and changed our lives. So good has been coming out of wherever the gospel is throughout the world, wherever, no matter what country and what traditions formed around it. But in general, what we see when we look at whether it, different various places of the world, each, wherever the gospel went, there was kind of an, enca an encasing that formed around the gospel to stop it. This is what I see when I look in history, when I look at the different countries where yes. the gospel went. Hmm. And it actually stopped the gospel from reaching the ends of the earth. In the first century, and we see it in the, in the New Testament, it was spreading like wildfire. That's and it a great was unstoppable. Point. Yes. But it's been 2,000 years, and there are, most of the world has never even heard the gospel intelligibly, you know? That, that tremendous. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, that kind of thought, you know, is, is deep. And mm -hmm. it, it causes one to really contemplate, okay, why? I mean, what is yes. the reason for this? And I know ultimately that's really the heart of the book is to that's examine right. that and say, hey, maybe there's just a few tweaks that we can mm -hmm. be doing here that will get us back to some centric mm -hmm. thinking, more pure to the way Jesus really admonished us to be as the church. Mm -hmm. Now, one of those things that you mentioned then, and it has been really controversial throughout church mm -hmm. history, is eldership. Yes. And I want to ask you about... What first of all, where did elders come from, and what's the purpose of them? And then the third part of it is how how does it differ now today than what it was meant to be in the early first century, and so on. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> it <laughs> Sorry takes, to give you a three pointer <laughs> there, buddy, but uh, no, it's fine. It's we'll fine. take them one it's at just, a time. Yeah, anyway. it's, it takes a, a whole book to get that out. Uh, yes, but we've exactly. got the book. So hey, there you um, go. Amen. Well, what, what we see in Scripture, first of all, uh, in Israel, they had elders. The towns had elders. Elders are actually lo uh, local community leaders. They would sit at the gate. They would give counsel to the people, to God's people. And outside of Israel, pretty much as far as I know, every nation that's existed around the world in, the, in history had elders. Uh, I've been in Africa, and I'm, as you just returned, Tim, from, Af from Tanzania, I'm sure there were elders there. Um, and... So eldership is an ancient concept, but it's basically leadership in a community. And so in the New Testament, if you notice in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see the Pharisees, the scribes, the elders many times coming against Jesus. These were leaders who felt threatened. Their, they felt their positions, their money, the, maybe their, their welfare as far as Rome was concerned 
threatened by what Jesus was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, he was starting something new, but he was doing it through God. I mean, he is the Son of God. He came from God to do this. He brought, he brought change, and they did not like it. Well, they felt threatened, and they attacked him, and we know the story. But in the book of Acts, you see another kind of elder, and the same term used, but it's among the community of God's people. And these were leaders who, uh, in the book of Acts, you see that they worked with the apostles. As, uh, many times it talks about the elders and the apostles meeting. And they formed a council. As I see in Scripture, they formed a council, just as in the Old Testament, which was to deal with difficult issues. And, to, and, and they basically, as we see through the Scriptures, this is what I like doing is sticking to the, what the Scripture actually says. And that's not always easy, but it is doable, so let's do it. I challenge all of us, let's do it. Because when you look in Scripture, there are specific verses about elders throughout the epistles, the book of Acts, and they, they all say similar things. They, they, they form a picture, which is very simple. Uh, but the three things mentioned are they're called elders, and they, they're told to, um, they're also called overseers in the same breath, same verses. And then it's, they're told to shepherd the people of God. So they're mm-hmm. leaders who look out for, give counsel to, take care of the church of the living God, as it's writ- written, that their job specifically, that said, I'll put this in quotes, is to take care of the church of God. Um, how they do it in Scripture, I believe, is very different, or I, I could say expanded, compared to our local leadership today. Now, if you look at Christianity and you divide it into, let's say, unfortunately, we hate dividing Christianity, but if we look at Catholicism, for example, um, there are many born-again people in Catholicism, as in Protestantism. And in the Catholicism side, the leaders are called priests. Now, Luther didn't like that because he found in Scripture, hey, everybody's a priest, you know, and that makes sense. Yes, exactly. But the term was still used, priest, and I believe that if they are following Jesus, they're born again, they fit in some ways the description of biblical elders because they are the recognized leadership of God's people. That's what elders are. That's pretty simple. Now, but let me interject. Is that to be consistent and understood to the what, what is said to be the criteria for uh, somebody yeah. who is an elder or who desires to be an elder. Well, that's a good point. I mean, you know, I, I, I really so advocate going into the Scripture on these things, and if we can, like, get a big magic eraser and erase our brains from what we know and what we <laughs> think we know, what we've been cool. through, you know, yeah, <laughs> Holy Spirit eraser, you know. Yeah, there you go, amen. amen. It'll help us so much because... It's all laid out in Scripture. Scripture gives uh, criteria for elders. One of them, by the way, is not that they can never marry. You know, that was a priest, Catholic priest thing, and it actually set people up for failure. So traditions... Now, now that's a great point. Well, you know, I think you're about to make it. The, yeah. the tradition... Yeah, they have continued... They've actually typically worked against the gospel, and so mm. we need to be very careful about them. That's they look a tremendous innocent. point. To me, they're like a Trojan horse. You know, Satan yes. comes in through traditions that we say, no, we've always done it this way. This is innocent. This is... Why not? Add this, add that. But the reality is, generally, they harm us. They harm the gospel. They harm the people of God. They're not... They don't make us more righteous. We're totally righteous already through the cross, through the blood of Jesus. We need to recognize it. And then, shoot, we got a hard enough job just following the Bible. Let's stick to it. Forget the traditions. Uh, but uh, if we look at the Protestant side of Christianity, pastors, it's very interesting to see the evolution of leadership in the Protestant side. It's not always the same depending on which denomination. But the term pastor didn't come about for leaders until the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually Martin Luther didn't want to call it priests. So he called them uh, preacher, 
But he kept the same form where they would come in every week. And, and, but he said, hey, you're not going to talk in Latin anymore. We need the gospel. So mm-hmm. at any wow. rate, the, the, it's interesting looking into the history of it. But I absolutely believe, and this is the point of the book, that we have to, we have much, much more reform to do. And all that's going to do, don't feel threatened if this is, if, if I'm treading on, uh, you know, on your toes. Oh, you're, you're okay. treading, brother, <laughs> okay, but okay. it's all good, man. Yeah. But because... All the good that started with the Reformation, and the more we go back to the Scripture, more good's going to happen. It'll be multiplied, multiplied. We have, we have much more to gain, and so we need to keep digging. The eldership in the Scripture, I, I, in the book I mentioned, uh, I put a list of about 10 things that they did. And as I see it personally, and this is not a criticism, pastors today do about two or three of those, oh, typically. That's, that's a great point, yes. Yeah. And so we need to and, expand. And, well, and yeah. you can't be a super pastor. Right. To, you need yeah. a body to do all of them. And yeah. that collective group of, mm. of uh, what, the way I put it is, even is how I see the pastoral role is, is just an elder that mm. is a, a mm. I, I say a first mm. of equals. Maybe you would mm. contend with that term. I don't know. But the point being that you're not above, you're just in a lateral line with everybody else. Yes. And you're just in a role of helping to guide and direct and, and I think consistent to Ephesians 4.11 to equip you know, mm-hmm. others to works of service. So I try to see my role that way yeah. and not through a dictatorial or even in the, you speak of traditions like I'm going to preach from the, that high spot in the church mm-hmm. or anything. No, I'm just down here with one of you and I'm just one of you. Yeah. And I'm just blessed that I've got the role of a teacher to be able to help mm-hmm. guide you. And, you know, but I, I, I just reject these notions of, this guy is somehow to be elevated into something that he's not or she's yeah. not or whatever. And then, what well, the he, she thing would be a whole nother thing <laughs> nother we could topic. unpack, but um, we won't. So, yeah. hey, let me transition us to then, because as part of the idea of, you know, well, you're a pastor, you're an elder. Let me ask you how t- typically today you have like an elder board and then you have like the staff yes. of a church. Okay. Now, from what I gather mm. from reading your book, you would say that's just mm. kind of way off. I mean, yeah, I, I just is think, that true? Or? I, well, I think that they can do a great deal of good. You know, we can all do a lot of good or harm, you know, all of us individually. But I think that what we're, when we refer to church, we're typically talking about organizations, what I, what I would say, that are within the church, ministries mm-hmm. more like, or okay. groupings of people who got together and decided to do a work together. And we've used Bible titles on some of the figures in our organizations that aren't, they're, they're not parallel to what the scripture really was. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, uh, looking in the scripture, um, leadership was on one level elders. The apostles were also leaders. Leaders, they're on the move uh, mostly, but uh, leaders were elders, and, and they did the shepherding. Uh, I believe that the, the equippers, which included shepherd, was, was quite different, you know? Um, so... Uh, I don't. I know in tradition, typically, what I've noticed anyway among Protestants is typically you have a pastor who's above elders, or you have elders that are above a pastor, mm-hmm. and both systems in some ways have some merit. But the problem that I've got is scripturally, when you look, look, look through the Book of Acts and you see a lot about leadership and the functioning of the church, there's no mention of a pastor. There's mention of shepherding done by elders. Um, so, but by I the way, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, and and what I what I think, however, is that 
when elders have then become more of, of a business committee oh, rather yeah, than right, right. an actual spiritual community yeah. that I think we've gotten off on that. I, what, mm-hmm. are you, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. I, you know, I, I honestly believe that we are off on so much that, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, yes. almost, it's something to sit back and relax and laugh about and figure out, hey, let's put the pieces back together. There let's start go. in the book. Let's start with Jesus. Let's put them back together. Can I share one more thing about eldership? Yeah, if you, yeah in about a minute because okay, we got to go to break. Minute time. This yeah. to me is the greatest treasure that I've found in Scripture about leadership and eldership, and that is they are called overseers. Now, overseer in the uh, modern English is supervisor or manager, you know, um, but overseer has been translated bishop and turned into a hierarchical thing in most parts of the world. In actual fact, it says the elders, you are overseers. So they're, they're overseers. Now, here's the key point. An overseer doesn't do the work. They watch people do their work. Their job is to walk around and make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. And, and so that's, that's totally different than what we're doing now. And that's, that's what we got to get back to for sure. It'll be absolutely refreshing, wonderful for all of us. It, you know, that's huge, my friend. And uh, once again, I do think that it ties to the idea of equipping, but also that if Jesus is the model, then it's tied to servant leadership. Mm-hmm. It's tied to the idea that you're coming underneath. Yes. And something that I really firmly believe is that the job of an overseer is to elevate others mm-hmm. in their position and abilities to succeed. Absolutely. All right, well, we got to take a break. When we come back, folks, we're going to just continue to unpack this incredible book, The Return to Acts Christianity by author David O'Brien. And this book is stretching us, and maybe it is you. And, folks, I want to encourage you that if you'd like to get a free Kindle copy of the book today, you can do that today only if you go to Amazon.com. Just type in Return to Acts Christianity by David O'Brien, and you can go ahead and uh, take advantage of that promo. And then your website again was, David? ActsChristianity.com. All right, ActsChristianity.com. All right, folks, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back here in a few minutes on the Rose City Forum. KKPZ is always at your fingertips. Listen on your smartphone or tablet through the TuneIn Radio app. On the go, on vacation, at the office, or at home, you never have to miss a KKPZ program when you get the free TuneIn Radio app for your smartphone or tablet. Download it from the App Store or Google Play and stay connected with KKPZ wherever you are. The Rose City Forum with Timothy Moore on KKPZ 1330 The Truth. Welcome back to the Rose City Forum where we are talking with David O'Brien, the author of Return to Acts Christianity. And David, I'm going to tell you something, my brother. There's just so much here in this book. If you will allow, I want to bring you back for a part two and part three even, I think, and we'll just sort of Please. Over the course of you know the next few months, we'll mm-hmm. kind of bring you back, and then eventually on the podcast, I'll just put all three parts together, and then that way uh, people can get it. But Great. I want to ask you, continuing the discussion here about in chapter six, you talk about holy versus unholy ambition, and yeah. I was like, oh man, <laughs> you're really killing me here with all this. But um, I wanted to ask you, first of all, is ambition wrong with regard to the idea that a pastor is trying to organize a congregation and, mm-hmm. and put programs in place and do all of these different things in order to affect the community? But, but maybe you don't mean it in that form. So what do you mm-hmm. really mean by, you know, a holy ambition versus an unholy ambition? Yes, um, I think, uh, you know, Absolutely not. It's not wrong to have a good ambition. I mean, I, I think what it amounts to is, um, you know, this is a, something that individuals need to use. Not just, not, uh, I mean, 
individuals need to search our own, we need to search our own hearts and check our motives. That's what I'm getting at here. That deep inside we have motives that need to be made holy. And over time they are, as we keep on the rock, you know, on Jesus. It's a a narrow path. It Mm -hmm. leads upward for the wise. It's difficult, but it continues to refine us and including refining our motives. And so, you know, none of us have totally holy motives. They're being refined over time. But what I meant in this context was in the asp- in the situation of um, church life and uh, especially specifically organizations, because organizations typically become well they could become walled, you know. And uh, when I, I I advocate strongly that church has no walls, the real church. It the only boundaries are the locate the city that it's in locationally. They're not bound to any kind of denomination or name or building or organization or even a leader. Um, I believe that the church is bound to Jesus as head and that within that there is a lot of freedom and things that, you know, we can grow into more and more. I won't elaborate on that much, but my point is that when you have a structure and you have positions and you have hierarchy and you have scarcity of the ability to do something, you know, to do something that feels fulfilling or to do use your ministry or do the things that are in you to do, then sometimes people vie for those positions. That's an excellent mm-hmm. point. And I think that's truly what I got out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know I cut you off mid-thought, but, but I think yeah. what's interesting is, is that the idea that the goal becoming the ambition and making mm-hmm. a name for yourself and all mm-hmm. of that then precludes the idea that other people are not afforded the opportunity to pursue mm-hmm. their dreams and their visions. Mm-hmm. And, and brother, that's where the idea came from, where I tell people inside of you is the unlimited capacity to do great mm-hmm. things. And what I did was I made it my my ambition was to help others achieve yeah. their ambition. Yeah. This is kind of the best way I can put it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's, I believe, holy ambition. Amen. That's so, what Jesus did. That's what Paul did in his ministry. And, and the reason that I'm sharing that, again, is not to elevate myself, but simply to say to you, my brother, mm-hmm. thank you for writing that chapter Absolutely. because it, it gave a lot of uh, affirmation for me personally, and, mm-hmm. I, and it really put it in perspective to be careful and not uh-huh. to allow myself to begin to, you know, oh, look at me, I'm so great, look at where we're going and all these things. And uh, that kind of humility, I think, just comes through submission to Christ, and that's mm-hmm. what I want to be about um, now, we don't have a lot of time, but I want to ask about the traditions again. We're kind of skipping yes. ahead to um, chapter 9. But you say the here in the book on page 42, in order to hold to our traditions, many of us often still crucify Jesus today. That was just huge. And it happens when God uh, plants in a person something that doesn't fit the mold. As that little believer tries to bring it to fulfillment, though strong through uh, those strong through human religion and tradition try to kill it. Too often they succeed. We need to humbly, meekly, blindly follow the Holy Spirit in such a way that the traditions in us that are offensive to God will be torn down. Man, my brother, what a statement. Oh, my Thanks, goodness man. gracious. Um you unpack this a little more, man, because mm-hmm. I just chewed on that. I highlighted that, and I, you know, asterisk and all of that. I was like, what a statement. Well, I, I believe we see in Scripture that the kingdom of God, as I see it, it's like a mustard seed. It's like a little seed, and I believe that it goes into each of us, being the body of Christ. We are the expression of the anointed king. The word Christ means king mm-hmm. on earth. We're governmental. We're his representatives, and he 
seeks to do things on earth, well, as the head in heaven, he does them through us, the body. So mm. he starts with each of us. He puts things in us. He puts desires. He puts ambitions, good ambitions, holy ambitions. He puts the desire to serve him, to do things, serve people, to reach out. And these are very diverse. You know, they're as diverse as we are, as his people. And we're, we're very diverse. And so they don't fit a mold. You can't build a box big enough to fit them in. It's absolutely impossible uh, because they're coming from his mind. He's the most creative being. I mean, he's the creator. He's God yes. Almighty. And Amen. So from his mind, he puts these desires, which are a seed, and they're to grow and be fulfilled in the earth, and that's how his kingdom spreads out through the earth. It's through you, through me, through each mm. other as we uh, follow him and the, allow those desires to grow in us and to, to, to really it's, it's, it's a attack against the devil. Each mm-hmm. one of them, as they get strong, they, they forcefully bring the kingdom past Satan's barriers and they set people free out there. And so I'd say that, you know, it, there's a danger that we not look for, as leadership, look for, recognize, and facilitate the development of each of these dreams and desires that God puts in all of his precious people, you know, and sometimes we miss it based on just forgetting that all of us have ministries. How about that? Or that we're all special and precious to God. You know? Yeah. Amen. Now, one thought that comes to mind is how, uh, because the tradition of the church was such that it was when uh, St. Patrick, as we call him mm-hmm. now, felt the calling to go to Ireland. Everybody mm-hmm. told him, well, you don't, you don't know your Latin well enough. You don't know this. You're, you're not educated. And, mm-hmm. on and on and on. And so they tried to squash it. Mm-hmm. But, of course, he just said, you know, he bucked the tradition and said, mm-hmm. no, nah, God called me to do this. I'm going to go do this. And, of course, today we revere him now because it not only mm-hmm. brought the gospel to Ireland but to all of Western Europe. Mm-hmm. And it's wow. just powerful, right? Yes. So let me ask mm-hmm. you then as just a word to that pastor or that mm-hmm. uh, leader or just that person who's saying, man, I've got some, some things I feel God wants me to do, but people are telling me I can't do it and this and that. Just a word of encouragement to them, brother, because I think your book really does that. And if you could encourage them now, I think that would be tremendous. Absolutely. Uh, well, Tim, your sta- what's your statement that you tell people you have? Yeah, inside of you is the unlimited capacity to do great things. And then mm-hmm. I tell people that what you want to get inside of you is Jesus. Absolutely. Well, my exhortation to whoever is listening on this is to um, is to uh, guard your heart because mm. it says above all else, guard your heart because out of it flow the wellsprings of life. Mm. And if God, when God, how God puts a vision and desire in you, just it's precious. See it as precious. It is in a way the most precious thing on earth. It is like Jesus. I see it as Jesus in Bethlehem in a stable. He was born in a stable, vulnerable. He, God put, sent him there, and he grew and became the Savior of the world. Well, now the Lord Jesus in us, uh, he plants these, these things in us, and we are like a stable, okay? Don't discount yourself no matter what you, what you look like, what you've been through, what you're going mm-hmm. through, what you are like. He chose you, and he, put, he puts things in you that are greatness, and Amen. so as, you know, treasure them, first of all, Mary treasured in her heart the thing that, that the angel told her, those were seeds, you know, and they, they built, they became faith. And yes. then be careful who you share them with and f- nurture them and walk them out because mm-hmm. they will set captives free like we cannot imagine. 
Amen, amen. And I will just add to all of that, that as you launch out, folks, just remain accountable and uh, come alongside another person who can mentor you and help you and guide you. You know, this book, David, as you mentioned to me, really also grew out of those who mentored you and poured into your life and helped you to understand these deep concepts. And I love that, brother. So thank Mm -hmm. you for writing this book. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for putting Jesus first and um, I, I really wish you tremendous success. And folks, I got to encourage you, get a hold of this. And today only, you can get a free copy on Kindle. If you go to Amazon.com, just go ahead and type in there, Return to Acts Christianity. The author is David O'Brien, and that's O'Brien, O apostrophe B-R-I-E-N. And then uh, go ahead and download that or however it works. And then also you've got our website, which is, again, axchristianity.com. All right, axchristianity.com. All right, so once again, folks, just a tremendous book. And there's so much here that we're going to have to bring you back, David, for a part two and part three to really unpack this. But what I appreciate is that you are, you are challenging the status quo, mm-hmm. You are challenging the traditions, but you don't criticize them so much as to say you see God at work and all of those things. But I think like Martin Luther, brother, what I want to say to you is, you know, as I talked about earlier, that little 00.1 degree that you can get off, Mm -hmm. praise Jesus that Martin Luther came along at the time that he did to help bring us back when we were askew. And I think your book is doing something similar to that, my brother. And I want to encourage if you're a pastor out there, Get a hold of this book and lay aside your preconceived notions. Just open your heart and see if God doesn't speak to you through this. So again, everybody, the book is Return to Acts Christianity. The author is David O'Brien. And once again, uh, David, thank you for being here. And your wife, uh, Sonia, who's sitting here and not saying a word, but still, it's great to have you here in studio as well. And folks, tomorrow on the program, we've got Hollywood actor Rick Lord, who is the author of a book, Chrysinium, and I got to tell you something, you are going to love all of this stuff we're going to talk about tomorrow with that book as well, and uh, it's really kind of a book about eschatology of all things and uh, end times. So folks, stay with us here in the Rose City Forum each and every day, 12 noon to 1 here on KKPZ, 1330 The Truth.